Sin acknowledges and pays respects to the owners of the land the House of Sin and Studios stand on, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Sovereignty was never ceded. You're listening to the Naughty Rude Show podcast, Sin's place for all things sex, health, relationships and identity. So, so, so scandalous. Hi, we're back. Last week... Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back to Naughty Rude. Um, I'm Jay. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I am really excited to be sharing the studio today with Joseph and Carlin. Yo, me too. I'm so pumped for this show. I've been so excited for this one. Our whole time together. This is amazing. This is a real like combination of a few things. Isn't it? There's been prep work done this week. There's been so much. This is beautiful. All right. So I'll intro myself. I'm Carlin. I'm 23 years old. I'm a white male. I know. Uh, <laughs> I identify as bisexual, pansexual to some, uh, and I'm in a long-term relationship with a wonderful woman. <gasps> Gorgeous. I oh. love how you always give her a shout-out. My name's Joseph. I'm a gay white dude. My pronouns are he, him. And, yeah, what are we talking about this week, team? Sex work. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The words on everyone's lips, as <laughs> always. Um, so... A quick rundown of the show that we've got a few interviews that we're going to run tonight, which will be really, really exciting with actual sex workers. Um, and then we're going to talk about a few common misconceptions about the industry and the work that people do. And yeah. it'll be really exciting. It's going to be great nipping all those little misconceptions in the bud, I yeah. think. Absolutely. And we'll get to your Tumblr questions as well. If you have any questions for us, please send them into the naughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com slash ask. And you can chat to us on Twitter at Naughty Rude. Rock and roll. We're thrown over to... A song. We are throwing over to a song, and that one is Cream or Cash Rules Everything Around Me by the Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. Hello, welcome back to the Naughty Rootro here on Sin Nation. First up, we have a very enlightening interview with a sex worker called Peaches. Now, she's going to chat about some misconceptions and do some massive misbusting when it comes to sex work, and also chats a little bit about dating as a sex worker, which I found super-duper interesting. So here it is, our interview with Peaches. Please enjoy. Well, my name is Peaches. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a proud whore. I work in a brothel, although I've done a few other types of sex work as well. And I've been working now for about two years. What different types of sex work are there? You said you'd done a few other types. There are lots of different types of sex work. Um, I've done erotic massage and escorting as well. But yeah, there's like phone sex, stripping, camming, porn, yeah. Probably other stuff that I can't think of right now. So So if someone says they're a sex worker, that could mean like a lot of different things. Yeah, I guess it's someone who is either like engaging in sexual acts or um, I guess, you know, like with strippers, it's kind of like eliciting a sexual response from from someone so um and phone sex workers it's i guess that kind of gets complicated we start defining sex and sorry that's not great what's something you wish everyone knew about sex work oh lots of things um that pretty much everything you think you know about sex work is wrong so you should probably stop listening to civilians talk about sex work and start listening to sex workers talk about sex work so something you wish everyone knew 
listen to sex workers mm. talking about their experience. Don't listen to other people, or, um, or be critical. Be critical. Yeah, be critical. I just uh, I think that there are a lot of people out there with a vested interest in silencing sex workers to kind of further their own conservative political aims. And they silence us in a number of different ways. You know, I think that there are a lot of people who are very interested in, um, I guess they have really conservative views of women's sexuality and they believe in almost, you know, that kind of virgin whore dichotomy, uh, which I think is really damaging. And ultimately, whatever happens between two consenting adults, I don't think is anyone else's business but theirs. What are the best things about being a sex worker? I can only really speak to my personal experience because everyone has really different experiences of being a sex worker. And I guess like with any job, some people find it really empowering. For some people, it's just okay. And for some people, it kind of sucks. So for me, it has been absolutely life-changing and uh, because it's given me a lot of freedom I can't work for other people because I have a really terrible attitude I'm not very good at being told what to do (laughs) I remember someone saying to me once like you know organizing sex workers is like herding fiercely independent cats and I felt like that was pretty accurate so yeah I really like that um, it's quite independent and I you know I actually work for a brothel so I have you know managers and things that I'm technically accountable to, but I get to say when I want to work, how long I want to work for. I don't have to see anyone that I don't want to see. Um, I don't have to provide any services that I don't want to provide. And for me, that is in stark contrast to hospitality, which is an industry that I actually worked in for a long time before I started sex work, where my shifts were my shifts and they were long. (laughs) And if a customer was rude, I just had to suck it up and smile. And, um, you know, I had to do a lot of things that I really didn't enjoy. And, you know, there's so much, you know, the industry is rife with sexual harassment and you just have to smile and suck it up and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, whereas for me, the sex industry has really been like fantastic because I don't have to take shit from anyone and, you know, my bad attitude is really applauded. It's allowed me to study. Um, I don't come from a particularly wealthy family, so, you know, I never had that kind of fallback on my parents um, if times were tough. So it's allowed me a level of financial independence that I never thought I'd have. And also... I can just keep on going on about this for ages. I love working in a predominantly female workplace. Like I love hanging out with the girls who are all really awesome and really interesting and fun and smart and funny. And I love sex. So it's kind of, you know, it's fun even when it's weird and, you know, a bit gross. It's still, I'm just generally fascinated by sex. So yeah, because, you know, like some of it is really great sex and some of it is weird and gross and it's all just interesting to me. So, yeah. I feel like I've definitely had plenty of weird, gross, interesting sex in my yes. life. So, <laughs> nothing unusual about that, people. Uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, all, we've all been on Tinder dates. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's dating like? Um, it's definitely different. I find that, you know, that's kind of most people either sort of fetishize it like particularly when you're dating guys although like I'm bisexual I've even found it with women um is that they kind of fetishize it and they just want to either in like a sexual way like they think it's really sexy or they 
kind of just want a cool story to tell people because you're like a novelty and they can go to a party and say, oh, yeah, I dated a hooker. And like they can kind of regurgitate the stories that you've told to make themselves seem interesting. And so that's not great, but you learn to pick them pretty quickly. Then you've got like the people who are just outright freaked out by it and (laughs) they, yeah, I don't know, fuck them. And then, yeah, there are also plenty of people who are totally cool with it and, you know, see you as more than just your work and they see you as an actual human being who happens to do sex work and you can have really normal relationships and yeah a lot of people kind of go like oh wow well you must you must never be able to find someone or I don't know that you must be unlovable or you can't have a monogamous relationship either and it's like there's a really big difference between work sex and like personal sex it's complicated but it's good (laughs) do you have a song request lake heli 47 attitude she's just like i gotta get my cash up front or you're gonna get some attitude i'm like (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) wow that was amazing i love that yeah such a so many good points in there as well like about listening and like fetishization and stuff yeah and in such contradiction to like all the mainstream crap that we've been fed over the years about sex workers yeah. Like a real cut through the dark. I 100%. loved it. Totally oh. just blew my mind. Yeah. And and not and not kind of I guess if you were to meet someone who is a sex worker, like not kind of a, appropriating their experience for like a cool story. Oh, I really liked yes. that. That was yeah. Because I'm like, that would totally be me. Like I would totally meet someone and go I, I talk about the people that I meet all of the time. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find Absolutely. myself doing that too. Yeah, mm. and yeah, I was thinking about me and dating. I'm like, oh my god, all I do is talk about other people. I never talk about myself. Oh. I'm such like a gross human when it comes to that avoidant oh. behavior. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, there's some really interesting stuff about, I guess, like misconceptions, and um, we pulled up some stats after that um, about um, that. You know, Peaches was good enough to point me to, and a couple of other people were as well. <gasps> Um, about uh, education, for example, because Carlin, you brought this up for me. The, the, you know, the seeming like people are like, you must be uneducated to get into sex work, or you must, you know, be lacking in some sort of way to, in air quotes, resort to sex work, um, yeah. and you must not have any other options. Exactly, no options. Absolutely, and yeah. that's straight up not true. Um, so. A study conducted by the Queensland government, uh, published in 2003, a quarter of sex workers surveyed had a university degree. Yeah, and only about 21% of people aged from 25 to 64 in Australia have a bachelor degree. Yeah. So that's actually a little bit, it's a little bit higher. I reckon 4% is pretty significant of the the general population. General population, yeah. When you're averaging things out like that, if it's that much higher, absolutely. That's smashing it. So get that. Sex workers are smarter than most people. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Honestly. The other little, like, misconception I always hear about is, like, um, people who are sex workers are automatically victims of human trafficking or they've been forced into it or they're victims of Mm. trauma and that's why they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. People, like must be goaded into it almost. I know, yeah. Or it's like them filling a deep, dark void inside themselves with all this empty sex. And it's such bullshit, isn't it? Yeah. I love how Peaches jumped on. She's just like, 
just seem so enthusiastic and like this is what I want to do. I'm not going to take any shit in a hospitality job, you know. Yeah, this is what hospitality can... is awful. It is just for the record. Honestly. I'm 100 percent behind that. That's my opinion, but it is awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and another, I'm just going to jump on this one. Another misconception is like, you know, sex workers must always be having STIs or, ST, you know, being Disease. some sort of medical transit with a lot of those things because, you know, I guess that sort of imagery isn't help. There's so many things that aren't helping any of this imagery. Well, it's like, um, what is it, even in the movie The Hangover where he goes, um, the at the top of the movie they talk about someone catching herpes with, from Vegas. Like he goes, oh my what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas except herpes, that shit oh. comes with you. And it's clearly like a reference to like, Strippers or something, so poisonous. And, uh, yeah, and it's like this idea that um, if you have sex with a sex worker, you will catch an STI, basically. Yeah, like or have run a higher risk, even just. Yeah, yeah, and um, very poorly. But, but to knock that back. Sure. Yeah. Well, what what is the statistic on that, Jay? Um, so I I'm not sure if we have like numbers, numbers, but um, we did find a couple sources that indicate that sex workers have much lower rates of STIs than other people, and that's because. In most states where it's either decriminalized or licensed, there's um, like people get tested really regularly, even if they're not required to. So it used to be in Victoria, it used to be um, every month you had to get a test. As yeah. a sex worker, if you're a licensed sex worker? Yeah. Whoa. Every month. Oh my gosh. And that was just in Victoria? Yeah. Wow. And now it's every three months, but it's still like ridiculous. Uh huh. Yeah. That's like that seems to me like a higher sort of workplace safety ratio than almost any other industry I know of. I don't know of any other industry that has really super routine. Like you know, if I was working as a like a like in some sort of carpentry thing, you know, in super loud environments, I don't think they're going to be like, yeah, you got to go get a hearing check every month to make sure we're on track oh, with this. <laughs> Legally, you are required to get a hearing check every month. Like that is the rules now. Yeah. yeah, right. Wow. I mean, just do it anyway if you're listening. That'd probably be a really good idea. But yeah, cool. Well, that was a really great interview. I had a really good time doing it. I love this. It's so bubbly. Yeah, which yeah. is lovely. Um, I think we're going to throw forward to that song that she mentioned. Beautiful. Yep. Which is it? Attitude by Lake Kelly 47. Hi, you're back with Sin Nation. We are the Naughty Rude Show. You just heard Attitude by Lake Kelly 47 and Working Girls by Angel Hayes. We are going to do some rad Tumblr questions right now. Shall we just jump into it, team? Yeah, yeah. thanks for sending those questions in. Yeah, thank you so much. If you want to send another one in, it is thenaughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com slash ask. Yeah. Awesome. All right, here's our first one. Thoughts on watching porn with your friends? Is that it? That's it. Dot, dot, dot. Ellipsis. (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. Well, Mm. like, I go to a university, which I will not name, (laughs) but there was a porn scandal there where a huge porno was filmed in the library three years ago. No way. And I was living on college at the time. No way. And one day I came home. Oh, I was living with, like, six really macho men, and I was, like, this little gay 18-year-old boy. No, 17. (laughs) And I walked in one day, and there was 30 footy player dude jockey dude watching porn oh the the porno from my university wow. on the tv and i was like is this a thing that straight dudes do because i never did it when i was straight I- that oh wow that's amazing yeah and i know i think i know the one that you're talking about as well but that yeah, would have yeah. heard of that as well yeah yeah <laughs> mm, it was on sunrise it was huge yeah don't you can go google that if you want to know um, <laughs> more about it but please don't if you're under 18 yeah I- so- 
I have watched porn with my friends. But in a sexual way? No, not in a sexual way. When I was very young as well. And it's kind of like we were discovering oh. porn almost at that point, And it was just like, this is really interesting. Yeah. And it wasn't, no, not even slightly in a sexual way. Like a curiosity thing. And yeah, more a curiosity thing. I think, I mean, that's retrospective at the time. We're like, let's just watch porn. This is really interesting. We've just found this. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was like opening a little treasure trove being like, oh, it's mesmerizing. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. Now, probably wouldn't do it. No. I don't know. If I, I ended up in that situation, I mean, I'm not going to say turn it off, but... Unless it was something that was totally new to me, like... Two a girls, friend one and I, you No. Oh, okay. That's not new? No. And also... I, don't show it to me. I haven't. I've managed to avoid it. I've managed to avoid it. But no, if it, was, it was something. If it was like some kink um, specific thing, um, or someone wanted to show me something that was like really interesting, like I would probably watch porn with a friend. But usually, I probably wouldn't watch porn oh, with anyone generally. that I wasn't trying to have sex with. Like I think okay. the curiosity component is important. Like it's an important part of it. It's like you watch porn with friends if you're like looking to discuss something. I was gonna say like if somebody came to me and they're like, I just found this band. You really need to. Listen to this with me. If someone was like, I have just discovered this amazing video, you have to watch it with me. I just discovered this kink and you should like, you know, rather than explain it to you, I'm just going to show you. Yeah, discover this with me. And I'd be like, absolutely. All right, let's get on board with this. Yeah, I think, I think don't just turn it on. I I think it's like appropriate if you discuss it with someone. It's not like sitting down and watching Modern Family after a long (laughs) day at work. You're just like, I just want to watch something. It's not, you know. Yeah. I, I, I would just, yeah, I would discuss it with someone first, but I reckon I would not be opposed. No. Like, nah. It seems pretty normal, as long as it's not, like... Super offensive. Porn yeah. In some or like super graphic way. Or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Nah, don't watch that. I don't think um, animals, non-human animals, can consent, so... Yeah. yeah. They yeah, definitely basically. can't consent, mm. so... Nip that in the bud straight away. Whoops. All, All right. right. <laughs> Let's go to our next question. Can you get HIV from sucking dick? I'm Do you guys not, know the answer? No, I'm not a medical professional. I'm I, not sure. I don't. Yeah. I think you can, but the risk is quite low. So this is what the facts are. Hit us All up. All right, so, give us the facts. There's like this old wives' tale. That's a really sexist term. I probably shouldn't have said that. That's gross. Um, old tale. Ooh, there's an old tale where you can get HIV from saliva. That is bullshit. You need like a bucket. Of saliva. People say a bucket to like exaggerate how ridiculous it is to get HIV from it. The only way you can get HIV is from sucking dick is if you have a compromised mouth. So that means if there's like a cut in your mouth and they come in your mouth and the virus gets into your bloodstream, that's how you get HIV. So So if you swallow, then. Nah, you're fine. You're in the clear. As long as there's no cuts or anything like that, so fine. And one of my like old gay daddy friends taught me this really cool trick if you're about to have risque blowjobs you get a glass of water and you put salt in it and then you put it in your mouth if anywhere stings yeah you've got cut. then don't suck dick oh. with someone who is hiv positive you know how good is that i that's think amazing. i think that's a psa is that public service announcement i think that's great yeah I, I, that's really good advice I, I, any smashing any hiv myths i'm a hundred percent about absolutely 
You can also use condoms, though, if you are worried. I prefer the real thing, though. I'd rather not do it. Yeah. Mm. But just also, like, bearing in mind, it's not just things like cuts in your mouth. It could be things like gum disease if you've had recent dental work. Like, there's a whole bunch of different things that could compromise your mouth. So don't just, like, go for it, go for it. But, like, be super conscious of your own health going into that situation. And if you're nervous at all, use a condom. But, yeah, I don't really think it's that... It's not as big as it's been cracked up to be. No, absolutely. Like most penises. (laughs) <laughs> Whoa! What? <laughs> Next question. Spicy. Next question. Okay. My ex and I broke up and we've stayed friends, but she constantly tells me things that are quite personal, and to be honest, I don't really know how to deal with them when we were together. Of course I tried my best to, like... But, like, now I don't even know what to do half the time. How do I diffuse these without being super harsh on her? So she's still using them as, like, an emotional crutch? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um... Wow, that's interesting. If you stayed friends, though, I like number one for me, I wouldn't stay friends with them. Like that's just like a personal thing for me. You don't stay friends with people you break up with. It would just be really hard for me. I think I I go into things fairly like emotionally headlong, and when the yeah when it gets caught up a bit like that, then it's easier for me to sever ties. That's me personally. That's what I'm saying. So if it was an emotional crutch thing. I would have to move away from that. Otherwise, it would start to weigh on me a bit. I am not friends with any of my exes. And part of it is the reason that... So, the asker is basically saying, this person, I broke up with them, and now they constantly still want to tell me stuff that's going on. Is Mm. that what... Yeah. That's part of the reason why I'm not... My two most significant relationships to date have ended because I've tried to keep lines of communication open and that privilege has been abused basically Um, and so I've had yeah two distinct situations where my partners have basically continued like constantly approaching me like almost on a daily level being like hey we should get back together or hey these are like problems or I feel sad about this and like and and kind of basically asking me to fix the way that they feel about the breakup Uh. and I've had to cut them off and like that's part of the reason why I don't have any friends that are exes and maybe you need to do that not for your good, but for theirs. Because if yeah. someone's depending on you that much to solve the problems that they have with the breakup or their life or whatever, then they're not going to be able to move on, you know? And yeah, you're so right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, moving on is never easy, is it? That's like, it's such a yeah, big part of the breakup is moving on and being like, no, yeah, I, not can, I can... not on that person anymore. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I can gather myself yeah. up and be a strong independent person i guess doesn't mean you have to go no contact with them straight away it just means that if they're yeah like gauge how much they're depending on you to support them and who else is Mm -hmm. supporting them and if you're like if you're it if you're holding the ball of supporting them ask you know why that is i i can't move on if i'm continuing to support you and your feelings through this breakup like you need to go talk to someone else about it and yeah move on you know have have your own life stuff happening whoa very wise words jay Thank My you. God, honestly, I find I find the whole like hierarchy of relationships really, really weird to me. How like your relationship comes first, and that's the person that you rely on a hundred percent. When like I feel like that should be spread amongst your friends. Is that how you guys feel as yeah, well? Yeah, uh, uh, my best friend. I was on the train with him the other night, and he was like, "What is a relationship? Like, what is a girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other?" And I was like, "I, I, I kind of couldn't." I was like, "Is yeah. it a best friend? You have." sex with and sort of emotionally rely on but then some relationships they don't have sex some relationships aren't super i was like so it's just like i guess it's whatever you define i really had a tough time with that yeah it's such a personal thing but 
Definitely with like the friendship emotion, like you kind of need different friends for different things and your significant other can play a small part of that, but maybe you need other things for other things. You know, it's like a spread yourself around a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. No one person can be your everything. Yes. Exa- that way, if yeah. they drop off or leave a little bit, you're not left totally out yeah. in the open. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. All right. On that note, let's jump to a song. This is Work It by the lovely Missy Elliott. All right, we're back uh, with Naughty Root Show on Sin Nation, and that was DJ Slugo. Slugo, wouldn't you like to be what a, a tune? I it hope you should, we should have picked that, that one. C H O N tune. That was fantastic. Um, and we've got an interview, another interview coming up that I had the pleasure of doing with Jane Green, who does communications for Vixen Collective, which is a peer sex worker organisation in Victoria. And that was really exciting. It was really great to talk to them. So we're going to chuck that on and then talk about it a little bit later. Uh, my name's Jane Green. I'm a sex worker. I use um, they, their pronouns. I'm non-binary. And I do media relations for Vixen Collective, which is Victoria's peer-only sex worker organisation. How does Victoria differ from other states in Australia that have laws around sex work? Well, there's um, three main models of sex industry regulation that occur within Australia and that's decriminalisation which is in New South Wales only and decriminalisation is the removal of criminal laws relating to sex work and sex work is just regulated like any other occupation and that's what sex workers want because that's what best supports our rights, our health and our safety Um, and I actually worked in New South Wales for 10 years uh, so I've got personal direct experience of that. One of the other models is criminalisation and there's only one state that still has full criminalisation and that's South Australia and we hope they don't have that for very much longer because they've had a bill up to decriminalise sex work in South Australia and under criminalisation Um, sex work is illegal, you're not meant to do it, you still do, um, but your rights are significantly diminished. So because you can be arrested and charged by the police uh, for working, then it makes it much less possible for you to access the police if anything goes wrong, um, to access health and outreach services, and generally just makes life very difficult. What we have here in Victoria, um, in comparison to that, is what's called a licensing system. And what that means, people often perceive that licensing means sex work is legal and therefore everything's okay. But what actually happens is some of the criminal laws are removed from sex work, uh, but not all. And that means, for example, in Victoria, street-based sex work is still criminalised. So those workers are some of the most marginalised workers in our community because they can still be arrested and charged by the police and get criminal records, uh, which affects you for the rest of your life. But other workers, their work is regulated through licensing, which is this huge set of rules about how, when, where, with who, um, and how we can work. And that makes life very difficult. And if you're not following all of those rules all of the time, then you're essentially criminalised again because you're considered not compliant with the licensing system and you can be charged, you can be fined. Um, and again, it makes life very difficult. Sex work is extremely heavily regulated in Victoria. And some of the easiest examples to give are... Um, For example, if you want to work as a private sex worker, as an escort, then you have to register with the government. Now, that creates a permanent record of the fact that you're a sex worker and that factors into discrimination you can face later in life like future employment, your ability to get housing, your ability to get insurance. It's been used against people in custody cases to take their children away, a list longer than I'll go into. But it has a very significant impact on people's lives and yet if you choose to work privately for yourself and don't register, you're not obeying the law and then you can be charged and subject to to fines and prosecution. So we're in a position where 
the law itself compromises our human rights and our labour rights and doesn't support us as workers as other workers and other industries are supported. I've also heard that registering with a um, SWA is that that's the yeah sex um, work can make it difficult to get into certain countries and travel overseas. Yes, there's a number of things that affect sex workers' ability to travel, um, including being out as a sex worker. And sex worker activists sometimes face this because we're very public in what we do, and therefore we're known to authorities. Having registration and also having criminal convictions, because that's almost always one of the questions that you'll be asked if you're entering another country or applying for a visa. So, what is Vixen Collective? Vixen is a peer organisation and what that means is that we're a sex worker only organisation so everyone involved at every level is a current or former sex worker and we specifically exclude owners, operators, managers, receptionists and ancillary workers in the sex industry and that's people like cleaners and so on. So we work for and with our own community to promote the human rights and labour rights of sex workers in Victoria and to push back against the stigma we face in everyday life. And that sounds like it's a pretty important goal. Yeah, it's a big goal. um, And Vixen's also an unfunded organisation, so we don't get any government funding. Things are made more difficult when we're not funded to work within our own community. And there's a long history in Australia of funding marginalised people in marginalised communities to do this work themselves because we obviously have a greater understanding of the issues we face and what needs to be done about them. So the fact that we don't get that funding here in Victoria or in Western Australia is a real problem. Considering all of that and Vixen's mission and the ongoing stigma and discrimination that's being faced by the sex worker community, do you have any ideas of like maybe some things that civilians or people outside the industry could do to support that kind of mission? I think one of the key things that people can do is to actually listen to sex workers and to our peer organisations. There's so much said about us, particularly in media, that doesn't come from sex workers ourselves. And if you're not listening to the people concerned, then you're always getting it wrong and that harms our community. So the key thing is, and it's very much easier than it ever used to be because of social media, is to listen to the voices of sex workers online, to individual sex workers uh, and to sex worker organisations about what we want and what we think about our own lives and work. This is kind of a personal question and feel free not to answer it, but um, just sort of digging into like your journey with all of this is when did you first consider sex work? Like many um, LGBTIQ people um, and particularly of my generation was estranged from my family because they have a very religious outlook on the universe Um, so I've been supporting myself ever since I left home Um, and sex work to me was an attractive option because it allowed me to work independently to decide what I wanted to do Um, and also I was going to university and I needed to pay for that and I had no other support so um, it was tied up in that for me at the time Um, but sex work has been my primary occupation for um, my entire adult life and I've done other things Um, I actually used to work as an accountant and that's a job I did not enjoy. Um, but then again, sex work is, to me, like any other work, there's good days and bad days. And I think some of the key things that we're advocating for is a lot of those bad days or bad situations come from the fact that the law doesn't help us and puts us in a difficult position when, when things do go wrong. And we need that to change. What is a good day like? A good day. At the moment, I work as a brothel worker. Um, I get to hang out with other sex workers, hang out on the internet, because I'm very lucky I get free Wi-Fi at my brothel. And I get to see different people um, in terms of clients, interesting people, because human beings are interesting. 
And I think like any service industry, and, and I've also worked um, in uh, bartending, for example, not everyone's going to be fantastic, but I don't put up with people that aren't respectful to me. And sex work gives me the ability to choose who I see. And that's important for me too. And there's not a lot of service industries where if you don't like the customer, you don't have to deal with them. And I appreciate that having worked in other service industries. I talk to clients first, I find out what they want, I tell them what I'm willing to do, and that's how we do things. Um, And if they step over a boundary, then I give them a warning, and if they step over it twice, then they can go. And the stereotypes that are prevalent about sex work don't correspond to the reality. And often when people are talking about us that aren't sex workers, they talk about things like selling your body. Um, My body's still here, I've still got it. Um, I've been a sex worker for more than 20 years. If I'd sold my body, I wouldn't still have possession of it. It's, it's such a simple thing, but it, it plays into that stigma about our community. And I sell a service. That's why I refer to it as a service industry, and I choose what that service is. And that's it. It's that simple. It's that simple. Honestly, it really is. Jane yeah. Green, everybody. Didn't was, they kill it? That was amazing. It was so, so great to sit down with them. Yeah. Yeah. Really explained it to us vanilla people, i.e. me. Also me a little bit. Also me. Also all of us. (laughs) About how sex work works in Victoria, because I have no idea that... Yeah, laid it out. Yeah, and also around around the country. uh, They talked about the law in Adelaide and Western Australia, so that was, yeah, perfect for Sin Nation. Honestly, but how uncomfortable and gross is this licensing model? Yeah. I'm not not happy about it Well, it's illegal. It's illegal in Adelaide. Yeah, to be a sex what worker the at heck? all. That's crazy. I thought it would be Queensland if it was any state, to oh, be yeah. honest. Uh, mean... Queensland's dirty. <laughs> so, no, so I, love Queensland, you. I love you, Queensland. But... I'm from there. Mm. But no, that was that was really, really interesting. Um, and Jane actually sent me a... Um, after we did the interview, they texted me a link to this article that says sex workers are more trusted than lawyers and politicians. Yeah. Yes. Well, I would buy that. There's like a there's like a national survey every year that does the most trusted professions and it's sex workers, even though it's illegal for them to work in some states. Still, yeah. they can mine my kids any day. Not that I have kids, but <laughs> yeah, they can mine my kids. Honestly. That's a that's a great yeah. How do you measure sure. trust? I, yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> mine my kids. Wouldn't trust my kids with a politician. <laughs> no, definitely not. Pauline, try and, yeah, try and oh sell them some goodness. policies. Fiona Patton, she can take them any day. Oh, oh uh, well. Adam Bant, is he still in politics? <gasps> yes, of course he is. Didn't he? Oh, I, I forget who got caught up in the citizenship thing. Oh no, Adam Bant. Um, still no, that's Larissa Ward. Is rip. Uh, oh, rip. No. Um, did you? So, did you have something to say about the licensing? Or? Yes, I just think it's absolute bullshit. It's just. The bloody capitalist machine trying to raise revenue once again off an oppressed minority. Is that oh. not what it is? No, nah, give it to them. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I think Absolutely. it's so gross. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. you know, when the... I was thinking about this the other day, actually. And it's like when the law is ambiguous or difficult to deal with, someone's always going to pop up to profit. I was reading this article Ooh. about Marie Stopes, you know, the abortion providers. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, and it was talking about how they like jack up their prices, um, not necessarily artificially, but um, you know, they talk. They the article is basically talking about, you know, why is it eight hundred dollars to get a medical abortion when the cost of the medication is so low? Like it's only like eight bucks or whatever. Ah, uh, yeah, and it's bit um, of a Martin Screlly type situation. Yeah, going on. Well, maybe, but Marie Stopes, um, are one of the main providers, and they're one of the only providers um, because they're a non-profit organization and not a government. Organization. They're able to. They're one of the main providers in a lot of rural areas, and they okay. get to kind.
kind of basically set their own prices because they're not competing with anyone. And I was like, wow, you know, like because in Queensland, again, sorry, Queensland, I'm picking on you really hard right now, but it is still technically a criminal act to get an abortion. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. Which creates a weird sort of abortion tourism in a lot of parts. Yeah. And it's also like if you're going to go like drive or fly somewhere else to get an abortion and then pay 100 bucks for it, you'd better have that money. Otherwise, you're just going to have to have a kid that you don't want. And that's not good for anyone. I'm going to guess there's probably no like insurance that's ever going to cover that that abortion stuff as of yet. Not that I know of. But it's like, I, I, yeah, I was kind of thinking it kind of ties back to this licensing thing. It's like when the law is ambiguous or if it's not completely, you know, like completely the, supportive of the people who yeah. are accessing services or the people who are providing those services. It's like there's, you know, someone's going to be making, you know, someone's going to be exploiting that. Yeah. And yeah. it's probably not the workers. Absolutely. It's that darn capitalist machine once again. <laughs> darn them. Taking our money. Hey, people. All right, we're going to answer some Tumblr questions here on the Naughty Rude Show. If you've got any Tumblr questions, naughty, thenaughtyrudeshow.com.tumblr.tumblr.com slash ask. Man, one day we'll get that right. You have done so well. That was great. (laughs) I'm trying hard. Everyone everyone understood what that was. Um, And that was None of Your Business by Salt and Pepper, which was a song that Jane requested. So thank you to them for that sweet tune. Bless. All right, let's jump to a question. My friends don't like my partner, but I love them. What can I do? What? That... My friends don't love my partner, but I do. Mm. How often does that happen? Yeah, that's a strange one, actually. Um, Did you... Like, at what point do you introduce someone to your friends, I guess? I feel like if it's going well, like, as soon as possible. If you're, like, totally obsessed with them and, like, you can see them fitting into your life, surely you want to... Get over that so hurdle like as few, fast as you can. Like a few weeks. Like I've I've been dating a guy for a while, and well, this was a while ago, and like we'd only be dating for two weeks, and I was like, "Hey, come to my birthday party!" Oh. and he did, and it was super fun, and blah blah blah. That's a good one. Push came to shove, and now we broke up. But oh. at the time, I was like, "Yo, yeah, I did a similar. I want th- you to be a part of my life. Did a similar thing with my girlfriend. You know, three yeah. or, three or four weeks in, come to this big birthday party for one of my best friends that I'm going to, and like." trial by fire almost like if you survive this crazy party i know it's going to be a crazy party if you love everybody then it'll work out one year in it worked out so what was going to happen if it didn't though because i think that's what uh, that gets back to what this asker is saying it's just like if she came to your party and a whole bunch of your friends were like uh i'm not really digging this woman that you've brought into our lives can you like not i would tell them that they're wrong oh Mm. there you go like I don't know. I have no problem sticking up to my friends. I'd be like, but I like her. Then, you know, you don't have to see her then. You don't get to hang out with what is essentially a really cool person. You'll get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, deal with it almost. Yeah, I think that's a really valid answer. Totally. But I I think the whole throwing them in the deep end can be a little bit... That could be daunting for them, 100%. Yeah. If if someone did that to me, like, I've obviously done it to people, but if someone did it to me, I'd be like, no, too soon. I don't want to do this. Oh, like throwing in the deep yeah, end. Like, I I would love that. I I love parties. I don't know. I just I I am at so I, some of my best times are in a room full of strangers. Mm, I, you sure. Know, yeah, I thrive on it. But I'm like your classic extrovert. I just like get energy from that. So I understand not everyone <laughs> feels that way. But I think I don't know if I would. I think it's important why. Like if all of your friends have a different reason why they're not 
clicking with this person. That's true. Then, like, that's probably like an individual thing. But if everyone has like this one thing that they can't stand about them, like, I think that's worth maybe taking note of. Like, taking note of yeah, potentially if it's like a really troubling one thing, and you're like, oh yeah, maybe that is a bit of a red flag. Then that's a sort of a thing. Otherwise, it's like, why are your friends so? hung up on this one thing if it's somebody that you well, obviously love. Well, if the majority of them friends. were like, I think your new partner's really rude or I think your partner is not treating you the way that I'd like you to be treated, then yeah, it's the like... Yeah, the respect thing. Yeah, that's like, a, that's like a different thing to one person's like, I don't like her hair. And another person's <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. I don't like their music <laughs> taste. You know, like if everyone's just being, a, uh, you know, a bit sour about it, then yeah, yeah they're, they're two different things. I reckon just go with your gut. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good advice, you two. Killing it. Oh, you right. too. <laughs> Next question. Do you have any tips for sex in the shower? <gasps> Don't do it. My, my, yeah, I was going <laughs> to yeah. agree with you. It's probably best... Not really. It's just it don't sounds do it. sexy, but yeah, or water like, is anti-lubricating yeah. to the bodily fluids, and it makes things just a little. Or turn the shower off. Like, get warm, get toasty, get moist, and then turn the shower off. Like, mm. I'll still just do it in the shower. Yeah, like be in the shower, but don't have the shower on because if the shower, it depends on you know, it depends on what type of genitals you have and that kind of thing. Very true. But if you at all need lubrication, which I am assuming that. 99% of people who have sex need some kind of lubrication happening. If you're doing penetrative sex, then... Uh, That's true. Yeah, you uh, need lubrication. You can't have that while there's water running over your bits. I do have a tip, though. Don't wear hair product in the shower. Because I was, like, oh. in the shower. Oh. We were, like, laying down in, like, a bath-type situation. Oh. And we were, like, making out. And it was, like, super hard. Wow. And the water was coming all over it. And I had, like, recently, like put all this product in my hair because I obviously want to look really good for my super hot date and then we were making out and it was just like dripping onto his eyes and he was way too polite to be like hey my eyes are on fire can we stop this and we just kept going and then obviously not Johnson's no more tears oh no 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 this was like some expensive shit and then by the end of it we like all finished up it was all nice all dry and his eyes were like so (gasps) red and like puffy and I was like oh my god are you okay and he's like yeah, you just had hair product in, and I was too scared to say anything. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. That is really bad. I know. I'm so shit. Oh, I should have no. thought about other people. Yeah. It well, happens. You get you caught up. If he didn't tell you, there wasn't really a way that you were going to be able to exactly. know. But, exactly. Oh, yeah, be yeah, be careful with um, irritants in the shower in general, I think mm-hmm. is what that is. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of exposed body parts <laughs> that yeah. you don't want to. All right. Let's jump to another question. Yeah. Is there ever not a time... Or place for PDA. PDA stands for public display of affection. Took me a while to. I can think of millions. Um, Funerals. Yeah. (laughs) Are you disagreeing with me? (laughs) I'm not disagreeing. I'm just like trying to loosely define public displays of affection in my head. I'm like making out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Baseline making out. Because like hugging your grandma, arguably, that's a display of affection in public. Nah, you know. It's not. Yeah, I know what you you mean. Yeah, of course. (laughs) This brings me to another thing, like sex in a club or like giving a hand job on the dance floor. No. Is that okay? Uh, it depends on the club. Like, depends. Yeah, it depends entirely on the night. I would say. Yeah. Like, if the night's like, yeah, we're all gonna get pretty dirty here. Like, mm. obviously. Like I've been to a couple parties, like nights at clubs or at venues where that would have been fine, but mostly don't expose yeah. other people to that. Like, short bathrooms though. 
Oh, bathroom, 100%. Yeah, if no one's looking. I okay. love it. I'm such a fan. Yeah. Mm. Gotta agree. Carlin, <laughs> <laughs> you dirty dog. Oh, well. I haven't been there, but I don't think there's a problem with it. As long as it's not like, you know, there's two stalls and you're taking up one of them for 20 minutes mm. and then the other oh, one has sure. a massive line. Like, I've definitely been in that situation on the other side of the door going, oh, come on, guys, find yeah. somewhere else to That's do me, this. That's me, the peel, always <laughs> Because I need to wee. <laughs> like, go have sex go somewhere home. else. Get Honestly. an Uber. Like, oh. You've already found what you've been looking for. Go home and give us a shot. You yeah, know? what are you going to do afterwards? Like, exactly. walk out of the bathroom and keep drinking and dancing okay fine but nah 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 nah. no like it's a public facility you need to treat it with respect you know leave it clean and make it available as soon as you can yeah Yeah. so and the smell of sex in a public toilet is not attractive at all Mm, no no. so public displays of affection public displays of affection um don't not probably uh don't have sex in a public like in a club bathroom if a lot of people are waiting to wee don't do it at a funeral um there's a, there's a Making, few places. Aeroplanes. Like, don't do it on... Oh, aer- like, sure. everyone on an aeroplane is just trying to get through this. Don't make it weird by making out, in like, across me or I was thinking, like, a sex in the bathroom kind of thing again is on that, the aeroplane. No, but That's PDAs, almost a survival though, like, thing for some yeah. people. So, yeah. like, we've got to get through this somehow. What are we going to do? <laughs> I can't watch the little aeroplane move from Florida to Hold me, Melbourne any faster. Yeah. That's a long flight, Florida to Melbourne. Yeah, it really... <laughs> Yeah. Good luck, anybody on the other, listening on the other to the podcast on that flight. Don't be a dick to people who are doing PDA. Don't, like, yell at them and be that's like, true. stop. I think that's awful, especially if they're a queer couple. Don't you dare tell oh my goodness to stop making out or holding hands. Don't, yeah, don't stand in their way. What if they're, like, making out at a tram stop? It's, like, 3 p.m., you're on Swanston Street. Is that too much? No. No, no that's fine. Beautiful. And also, like, if I do it, it's part of the Yes campaign. 100%. Yes. Well, yeah. Yes, it is. I'm wearing yeah. my badge. Don't stand in my way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's free advertising. All right. You just heard Throw Some Mo by Ray Stremerd and uh, Cold Caller by that, Julia Jacqueline. Is that how you pronounce that? I have no idea. Just Stremerd. It's an amazing looking word, so it I thought I'd throw word. some <laughs> emphasis into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, throw uh, some Mo emphasis. Throw some Mo. Oh, I yeah, love that. I um, like it. So we're going to go over to an interview with Sadie. She's a sex worker, um, and she kind of talks about the difficulties of being a sex worker activist and some feminist things. Yeah, that'll be... I really enjoyed this one as well, so that'll be really cool to hear from Sadie. Fantastic. Hi, um, so I'm Sadie. Um, My pronouns are she, her. I work in a brothel, and I've been in the sex industry for um, about a year. So yeah, I guess um, I wanted to speak a little bit about some of the ways in which sex worker voices I feel are silenced in kind of public debate and particularly in feminist circles and what I'm really having a lot of problems with are the more covert ways in which that happens and has a lot to do with the fact that you're kind of dealing with anonymity yourself and so you have to be really careful in what you say you often need like I guess a gatekeeper of thoughts who might know that you're you and that you're also um, this other identity but then because of the people involved being so few if something you know doesn't come through so if, if you like for instance you have a submission to a, a publication that isn't accepted or if um you aren't you know welcome in particular spaces or that sort of a thing there's probably been a lot that's happened in there that's caused that to happen but you really can't you can't know what that is because you've only got one person to go through and you don't know what they know and what they don't know and you don't know if other people have intervened or what so it's really there's not 
a lot of recourse for it. Yeah, it's yeah. like there's a lack of transparency and a lot of media practice. Yeah, yeah, so I think, yeah, like that's something that I've come up against quite a few times. And as I said, I've only been, I haven't been in the industry for that long. But yeah, I've, I've had a few occasions where things have seemed to go ahead in terms of sex workers having access to a platform. So I'm looking specifically about stuff that I've written or you know, um, they'll produce with other people um, and then it's just not coming to fruition and being kind of at a loss as to what went wrong um, and not really having, being able to ask those questions of people. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. What role does being anonymous play in those discussions or those efforts as an activist? Well, I mean, for my own, like, I, I can't be out at this point um, in time. There would be really uh, huge personal and kind of professional repercussions and possibly legal repercussions if I was, as is the case for many sex workers. And I'm speaking as someone who is um, an Australian citizen, who is white, who is cisgendered, who isn't kind of dealing with the other sorts of challenges that people in the industry also face. So it's, it is comparatively easier for me than what it might be for other people um, and also people with kids and that sort of a thing. Like the stakes aren't as high, but even so, it's not something that I'm in a position that I can do. And so I really rely on the anonymity to be able to speak at all. And like that's been really like important and kind of, you know, actually invaluable for me in a lot of ways in the sense that, you know, I've been able to blog under a pseudonym, I've been able to submit stuff under a pseudonym, and I've had, you know, help in there. And then there's the whole thing of like, you know, you not wanting to seem as though you're like, I don't know, I always feel that I'm demanding too much and I really don't think that I am. I think they're pretty reasonable things that I'm asking of people in terms of information and in terms of like support. But I often feel as though I'm being overly demanding in what, what I'm asking. Um, and that's also kind of a problem. I mean, that's definitely, I think, a feeling that a lot of people can relate to. In, in a world where, I guess, you could make those demands, I'm interested in... What, what the agenda would look like, I guess, what needs to change to ensure your safety and to ensure that sex workers don't need to be anonymous anymore when they're speaking about their experiences? First, that I deal with the conditions in which I do need to be anonymous and I'll speak about kind of ideal worlds. So in, in the current conditions, what I think needs to change is, like, I think that a lot of activism needs to prioritise the principle of amnesty, and by that I mean where others have leverage to give up some sort of platform or to say things that others can't get away with saying, then that needs to be shared. And, yeah, like, that people need to give other people space or step aside um, or, you know, if this is what the person wants, like, to speak to share their view on their behalf. So I think that that can be really helpful. I think as well, what I've seen many times and I had another experience of this just like in the past 24 hours is bystanderism that happens where, you know, a debate about like sex work will come up and it'll be just either one or a handful of sex workers who are actually calling it out and there'll be a whole bunch of other feminists who see us and they're like super intersectional and stuff and then when push comes to shove they let sex workers do it themselves like it, it wouldn't like I think I like an important part of the relationship is going okay well you know this thing is happening like I'm not going to call it a debate it's not a debate like it's not fair and there are people who are marginalised in our ranks, like this could lead to them not feeling welcome or safe here, like I should do something to intervene, I should call this out, and that, yeah, it doesn't happen all that often. People who do, who are in that precarious position um, to then step in and like stand with the person who is speaking back or indeed speak back themselves and say, look, like, you know, I can't speak for this group, that's a feminist, that's whatever, like, what you're doing is bullshit um, and it's not okay. That sounds like really good practical advice for people like me, though, as well. I think as well, just really being honest about the sort of latent 
presuppositions that people might have and being really, like, I think people need to kind of be a bit tougher in that sense. Like, I've come across things where people are like, oh, I'm uncomfortable with the idea of this. And, you know, I don't agree with the characterization of selling one's body, for instance. I find that incredibly offensive. But at the same time, like, I really don't care if you're not comfortable with it. It's not about whether you're comfortable or not. It's about legal and political rights and, you know, the right to be free from discrimination and violence if your feelings aren't very important to me, you know? <laughs> like, I think, yeah, there needs to be some honesty amongst people in the left and in feminist circles as to what degree are my feelings, you know, important here? Like, do, do I have to just kind of be a bit, suspend disbelief for a bit and, you know, actually listen to sex workers and give them space regardless of what, what I might think or feel? And I heard there's a really cool Instagram. Yes. Yeah, it's my new favourite. It's really great. So it's actual sex workers, and I think it's a group of sex workers. They post, like, you know, images which sort of subvert the messages of work, so particularly the untamable shoes, as well as just other things that they come across. And there's, like, these hooker haikus that are on there, which is just really great. They kind of have a statement about something to do with sex work and then a bit of an explanation as to what it's referencing. Yeah, personally, I would encourage people to follow that glorious little account. Well... Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Sadie. Um, did you have a song request at all for the show? Ooh. Oh, I don't know. Just like Kate Bush, whatever. <laughs> Kate Bush, whatever. Cool. Surprise me. Oh my gosh, Sadie. Yeah. Another brave, brave soul speaking out against 100%. the shit that we put sex workers through as a society. All of these interviews have been, all of these interviewees have been really, I want to say that, I'm sure we all agree. Yeah. Really brave yeah. to talk to us about this stuff, and I love that. Honestly. Yeah, I'm really, really grateful for that, and just yeah. the anonymity and things like that. Like, um, trust is a really hard thing sure. to, I to have. Yeah. I, I would imagine from that interview, it's one of the main lessons that I pulled out of that, is that it's hard to know who you can trust, so I'm very thankful to them yeah. for trusting us absolutely to thank, share you, these thank stories. you thank you the point Sadie brought up about how reasonable their demands are like they're not asking for yeah anything ridiculous they're asking for protection yeah it, oh, and any i've said this to a number of people any real group asking for help or protection or freedom sh- or freedom should we really should be focusing on that and giving it to them i mean especially in this case yeah. Why do we think that is? Why do we think we're making sex workers jump through so many hoops? Is it because they're talking about sex and it's such a taboo issue? I think it's... Yeah, it's a thing with... I think it's a thing about women. Yeah. Um, oh, and I yeah. think it's a thing about sexual agency and I think it's a thing about what is considered labour mm-hmm. and what is worth paying for and what sure. should just be given up for free. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think we've struggled with that a lot historically in our society in Australia. And um, I think that's something that we continue to struggle with, um, especially in this sort of arena of policy and legislation. I think that's it's just basically it's almost not all people who do sex work are women, but legislation around sex work is almost always it's it's almost always about women's bodies. Yeah, Yeah, it's a gendered issue. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, even though, even if it's not everyone who does sex work is a woman, the majority of people are. So, legislation around that is going to reflect values that uh-huh. we have yeah. or that those politicians have about women's bodies. 
Yeah. Absolutely. I, f- I, th- I feel like there are a lot of high up white men that are just even afraid of the word vagina in a lot of ways. So, oh. you know, <laughs> I, f- I feel like they're a little afraid of a lot of things. Um, and especially word. an industry that is considered by some the oldest profession. I've heard that. I'm sure we've all heard that phrase, yeah. right? The I oldest profession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we should be paying more attention to that. Maybe even in a historical context, we need to be addressing a lot of these. Yeah. And taking into consider- consideration some of these. Um, that it is a profession. Yeah. That it is definitely. a profession. We yeah. refer to it as a profession, so why not really thoroughly treat it as one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff that Sadie brought up just about even publishing and media and, and Jane as well. Yeah, right. About how it's so difficult to know how you're going to be represented, I think is a really interesting issue oh like how it's going to be like marketed and sold yeah like if i say this how is it going to get spun like how is it going to get presented right Mm -hmm. yeah okay which is relevant to us very fair oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) isn't it just all right should we chuck to sadie's wonderful request oh yeah 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 and they also requested that we um plug actual sex workers on instagram i'll just put that one in there again because it wasn't super clear in the recording so, um, yeah, wait, what was the request? It was anything by Kate anything Bush. By Kate Bush. Anything by Kate Bush. Anything by Kate Bush. The sensual world. The sensual world. Here it world. is. You're listening to Sin Nation. Wow. All right. That was a song by Cardi B. It's called Trick, and I love it so much. What's a trick? A trick is a client of a sex worker. Oh, okay. So, like All a right. John or a trick. Or a, a John. Is that what a trick is? Oh, like a yeah. John Doe? Yeah, kind of, I guess. I thought John Doe was for dead bodies. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, right. Oh, Carlin looks like he's got a question. I sure do. Well, we're going to jump into some Tumblr questions in a sec. TheNaughtyRootShow.tumblr.com slash ask. Got it right that time. Got a question for you guys first. Would you see a sex worker? I, not only would I see a sex worker, I actually have like a dream sex worker. Um, I would love to book Lucy B one day for like my birthday if anyone out there wants to give me like a thousand dollars to do that that would be amazing she's amazing she's on that um, ABC episode of You Can't Ask That and she's an escort and I think she's based in Sydney yes we highly so, endorse watching that episode of You Can't Ask That yeah, as well it's amazing it's so good but yeah no she's like my dream girl so was she famous before You Can Ask That You Can't uh, Ask That I don't I think she like was like a blogger and stuff like uh-huh. she's done a lot of stuff she's like a really big face so Amazing. it's been really cool. Oh. I bet you, Joseph. Would you? Me seeing a sex worker. At this point in time, I'd be too intimidated to see a sex worker. Okay. Yeah, but I think so. I think it's one of those things you've got to do. And I think, but I think all I want to do is talk to them and just hear okay. about their <laughs> yeah, amazing sure. life. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what that. I'd want to do. Totally. You haven't heard enough. Exactly. Or you could pick up new tricks. Yeah, like true. I'd be like, let's do a tutorial yeah. lesson. <laughs> because I'm always too scared to ask people I've had sex with afterwards to be like, hey, what can I do better? Yeah. Like, so, am I good? Oh, yeah. 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 I wish I was brave enough to do that. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, I would definitely do that. I'd want a tutorial session. Yeah. That'd be cool. Done. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Should we jump into a question? Let's do it. Carlin uh, didn't answer his own question. Oh, oh yeah, Carlin. <laughs> oh, you guys didn't throw... Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, no, you have to. That's def- the rules. Definitely. A hundred percent. It's like seeing a chef for a fine meal. It's like getting an f- amazing cupboard built by some like amazing a, a cabinet woodworker. Maker. Cabinet maker. Absolutely. It's one <laughs> yeah. of those things that, yeah. you know, I value really fantastic service and fantastic things. So I think at some point it's I would... It's worth paying for. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. A hundred percent. 
I really value it as a profession. You wouldn't get your mates to build your house for you unless they were builders. <laughs> That's Yeah, I wouldn't pick up someone at a bar to build me a house. So. No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, Tumblr questions. All right, here we go. I'm not the most confident person. What's the best way to ask someone out that you really like? Oh. Oh, I always do it over fucking Instagram or something like that because I'm no. a uh, Just like oh. nail it to their door or something. Yeah. I, have no, I have no idea. No, skywriting. Um, Clearly skywriting. I, I have a silly story about this, and it's this is not the way to go about it. This is a cautionary tale, if anything. But I was <laughs> yeah. like best friends with my girlfriend before we got together. Oh, I like and that. then I was at work one day, and I accidentally called her. I was working at the uni at the time, and I was like, la, 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 my girlfriend. And then I was like, oh, I haven't discussed this with her. <laughs> what? And we weren't doing, like, girlfriend, you know, partner, romantic relationship things. I was, just, like, making out or anything. Or holding hands. We were just, like, really good mates. And then one day I was like, oh, my girlfriend. And then I was like, oh, I haven't discussed this with her. And so I went, hey, I accidentally started calling you my girlfriend. Um, how do you feel? <laughs> and what did oh. she say? She was like, yeah, she was cool with it. She was, like, really into it. She was oh, like, I, I would that. like that very much. And so she's smooth. I'm not smooth. Yeah. So <laughs> That's pretty smooth, I think. She wow. She accepted it smoothly. Yeah, you kind she of tricked her into it, it though. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't trick her. She knew what she was getting into. That's beautiful. That's like a real, like, steady, like, journey towards that. Yeah, it wasn't like a, oh, one day it just happened. It was just like a slide into. Oh. <laughs> that's really sweet. Like I think that's really sweet. Slippery cute. slope that. into her relationship. Um, but no, I don't, I don't know how, like, what's the best way you've asked someone out? The best way. Ooh. That's I mean, just not. really, really straightforward to their face. Do you want to go get dinner sometime? Like, that's... To like me, the, that's the epitome. Like, I don't have any cool ways that I've done it before. Like, the advice that everyone always gives you, which is like, just ask them out, is actually the thing that you did that worked the best. Yeah, my... I had a friend a long time ago who told me it's either going to work or it isn't. Mm. And once you come to that realisation that it's either going to work or it isn't, and you can just be like, well, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That's fine. Then you kind of sort of can build up the confidence yourself to be like, well, maybe it will be a yes. And then it'll be fine. And you just ask them to their face. And that's my, that's really boring advice, but that's my advice. You have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Basically, yeah. If they're a reasonable person, they'll be like, no, yeah. but I kind of appreciate that you asked. And if they're a good mate and you're worried about the friendship, they'll probably understand. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Everything to get. Absolutely. I feel like always our advice is just communicate properly and you'll be fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't show them the strings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump to another question. Yeah. My ex is in a bad place at the moment. I've moved on and in a really great relationship, but I can't help but feel a little guilty because things ended so badly with my ex. How can I get around this feeling of guilt? Ooh. Oof. I guess my that gosh. happens sometimes. Yeah. You, you, you feel guilty, but, uh, you know, you broke up for a reason. You moved on for a reason. And part of that healing process is just sort of like forgiving yourself for a lot of the things that you may, you know, uh, in a lot of my cases, it's just kind of like, I wasn't a great person back then, but, you know, I'll endeavor to be better in the future. And clearly we weren't right at the time. Yeah. I definitely have had times where I wasn't a great person, but like for me, I'm like a nerd about this stuff. So I'll like write down and itemize all of the things that I feel like I did wrong. Like, cause 
I think in order to forgive yourself, like you can talk a lot about like a general forgiving yourself, but I have to go, like I have to work my way down and like forgive myself for each individual specific thing. Sure. Like I have to like nail down the details. I'm like, what did I stuff up? Oh, uh, you know, like I shouldn't have pressured them to change this about themselves and I shouldn't have done this. And then, and then just like going down and being like, okay, I'm not going to make that mistake anymore. You know, like I forgive myself. Let's move forward. Let's be a better partner, a better person. Yeah, that's some really fantastic like self-awareness, self-improvement. I mean, I don't, I don't want it to, sound like I have a system <laughs> but like stock I, take after each relationship that's the way that I cope with things mostly so yeah no I think that's beautiful that's so enlightened I love that mm. My what gosh. were you gonna say I don't know I think it's just really important to say that as much as you're gonna feel guilty you shouldn't feel guilty yeah that's like that age old tale but like that would be such a hard thing to do I really don't know what to do in this situation it's honestly such a hard thing to be going through I mean, time. Time heals. Yeah, time. So, yeah, and no matter how bad it feels, with time, it'll always sort of... It'll pass, and everybody will sort of grow up and forgive each other a little bit, I think. Yeah. yeah. Honestly. Like, Being young and dumb, everything always seems so permanent, doesn't it? You oh, man, gotta, it really does. It really Honestly, <laughs> honestly. Not that young people are automatically dumb. Like, like, we're all still pretty young. Aren't we? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Are you old? Nah, well, look. I Snuck feel, into sin. Feel, <laughs> feel a little bit old sometimes. Nah, we're all still young. So young. Yeah, there's plenty of mistakes to make. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, forgive yourself for mistakes. I think it's a fairly important thing to take away from that. Yeah. We've, know, right we've done pretty well. Um, Did we want to talk a little bit more about, like, lessons that we learned today, I guess? Sure. Yeah. I think yeah. it'd be a great way to wrap up. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I, take us off, Jay. What's I don't know. I, I think this... I just keep coming back to this thing in all of the interviews about listening. Like, really, really listening. Like, if you're trying to support someone, whether it's a friend or a sex worker or a member of, like, during especially this difficult time, like, a queer person, whether they're a friend or yourself or... <laughs> like, you could be queer and still struggling to support other queer people. Like, that's a thing that a lot of people I know are kind of going through. So... Just, like, really, really listening. Like, not worrying about your own feelings and the way you feel about it, but, like, putting that aside. And like Sadie said, like, a lot of the time when people are trying to get stuff done, your feelings about what they do is such a low priority. And I laugh a little bit every time I hear that part of the interview because it's just so badass. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, I yeah, listen. Listen, listen, listen. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally feel that as well and I feel like granting the people who are being oppressed the platform to be able to talk about themselves and their agenda is really important um, like I think it was in the you can't ask it thing they were like you need to ask sex workers what they want basically yeah, yeah. it's that simple really like they're telling you that they want something and you're like no you're telling me that because of these reasons so you're not really listening yeah, that to paternalism them is so gross yeah absolutely god I'm so not on board with it Carlin what have I taken away? What have you taken away? So many things. This has been a rich episode. I appreciate being on the naughty route at times like this. Um, yeah, listening to sex workers, what they want, giving them rights, uh, smashing those misconceptions, because those mm-hmm. misconceptions are the most damaging things. Well, maybe not the most damaging things. Legislation's pretty hurtful in a lot of <laughs> yeah. ways. I think they're um, kind of all tied up together. They really, they're all super tied up together. Um, and coming from sort of a, uh, a roundabout way is part of supporting the industry um, 
of sex workers, which is an industry that definitely needs our support, as I think we've highlighted for almost two hours now. Um, uh-huh. But not persecuting people for seeing sex workers. Like, validate their profession in every way that you can and validating the people who seek to receive that service is a big part of supporting that service. Yeah. Yeah, like, sex, sex workers don't work unless people pay for it. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And if you're, you know, I, I feel like there's other misconceptions that if you need to see sex workers, you're desperate in air quotes, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of these really painful things that a lot of people hear, and I'm sure a lot of people feel, even mm. in some cases. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, support it, really. Yeah. Even if you're not going to see sex workers, if someone tells you that they want to, then I think you should give them a pat on the back. Yeah, and it was really gutsy of everyone to talk to us today. If you want to hear those interviews again, you can look up the podcast of this episode on the SIN website and where the Naughty Rude show on that page. Um, you can chuck us a question for next week when we're doing a best of the season love party. Love party. Love yeah. party. And it's going to be just a huge, all the hosts from this season are going to get together. It's just going to be a huge, huge episode. Really look forward to seeing you at 8pm next Sunday for that one. It's going to be awesome. Um, and yeah, you can chat to us on Twitter at Naughty Rude and check us a question for next week on uh, what is it? The com slash ask. What was that uh, Instagram account again? Oh, that one was actual sex workers. Fantastic. Yeah. Right, I will be checking that one out. All right, let's go to a song and say goodbye. This is Alex Briggs. I'll go my way. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. You can listen to The Naughty Rude Show live 8 to 10 p.m. every Sunday on Sin Nation. So, so, so skinless.